Okay. Uh, if you've got your Bible with you, if you can turn to the book of Acts, we're going to be right at the start. So in Acts chapter 1, it's been one of those mornings actually, it's been, it's been amazing as I've been thinking about what God's laid on my heart to share and then in terms of what response there might be on our part. A lot of what I felt in terms of time of ministry and prayer together, we've already done it. Uh, which is wonderful. So I feel like actually that should be an encouragement to us that God's already been speaking to us, the Spirit's already been leading us in in such a way uh, and actually we've already had an opportunity to respond and we've already had an opportunity to seek more of the Spirit and to ask the Spirit to come and and fill us again. So um, I'm hugely encouraged by that uh, and actually I think it just speaks to the the goodness of God and, and and the grace of God. Uh, in that he's already done that without me needing to share what I've what I've bought so um, yeah so Acts chapter 1 my goodness I didn't have my usual pens with me when I was preparing and these ones are like neon pens and I've, I've like colour coded some of it and it's like it's like a party on the page I can't really see what's going on but we'll see how we go uh, but so we're in Acts chapter 1 Acts being the second of, of Luke's writings uh, and if you've been with us over the last few weeks the last two weeks we've actually been in Luke's first book, The Gospel According to Luke, uh, where Luke was uh, sharing about the life of Jesus, it's all about Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. Uh, but we kind of jumped in on, on the, the last chapter of Luke, we've been in Luke chapter 24, uh, following on from Easter Sunday, thinking about what happened actually in that time between Jesus being raised again from the dead, so the resurrection, and then the period of 40 days... Uh, until he then returned to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. So we spent two weeks looking at that, and then Pete last week um, actually um, spoke on the occasion, the event of Jesus returning, Jesus returning to the Father, the ascension. Okay, so uh, but he actually starts Acts um, telling the same telling us the same event, but just in a different way. So we're going to read that, uh, and then I'm going to explain how that's going to hopefully lead us into and set us up uh, into this new series. So we're going to read Acts 1 from verse 1. It says, in the the first book, O O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit, to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So that's that period of time after the resurrection and the time that Jesus was with the disciples. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptised with water, but you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Okay, so it's the same, the same event, 
that we've been looking at last week and this week, we just kind of expanded a little, well, slightly different angle on it, I think expanded a little bit more uh, here. But we've, over this, well, really, since we started our series working through Mark's Gospel um, at the beginning of Lent, we've been talking a lot about journeying through the Gospel, journeying, spending our time uh, through Mark's Gospel, looking at the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, Gospel being good news, and how uh, what was recorded in the Gospel is, is good news, not just for, for people, but for all of creation. Uh, and then we kind of journeyed through Mark's Gospel, but we didn't stop there. We didn't stop at the resurrection. We carried on, and we jumped into Luke and spent time uh, looking at this journey that Jesus took with um, some disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh, and he revealed himself to them, showed them that he had indeed risen from the dead. And then last week, Pete was speaking on the ascension. And sometimes on a journey, you can, you can take stops on the way, can't you? It's kind of what we, we have been doing over the last few months, is reading through, this, reading through this kind of one continual story, but stopping as we go and spending time just thinking uh, upon what, what it is that we're reading and what we're hearing. And the thing is about journeys, you can stay camped out in one spot and you can stay there and you can miss what's still to come. Because you decide, actually, this is a good place to be. And we're going to stay here. But actually, we can miss out and we didn't want to stop at the resurrection we wanted to carry on and see what came after that and so we're going to stay a few weeks focusing on the ascension when we talk about the ascension and when you hear us using that word what we mean is about when is Jesus going from earth to heaven so rising to heaven and being seated at the right hand of the father taking his place as king uh, the, the scriptures speak about all creation being put under his feet. So it's this sense of this um, fulfillment of, of the work that Christ came to do. He is now in heaven with the Father, ruling and reigning as Lord. Okay, so that's what we're talking about is the ascension. Jesus going from earth to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. Now, this series came out of um, an occasion a few months back at a prayer and fasting event we were at. And a guy named Dan Hayter uh, he's heavily involved in leading, I think he kind of heads up the team that helps with the lead training um, within relational mission. And he came up and he prayed. This was the first time we'd been back together uh, since lockdown and since the pandemic had started. So the first occasion where church leaders had been able to gather together. And Dan had been spend, spending some time preparing some training on the Ascension. And he, he brought this prayer, he read from Hebrews 7, 23 to 25, about how uh, that there have been priests in the past that have come and gone, they've, they've lived and died, and yet Christ is the, the priest who will reign, is the priest who will, who, will, um, who will go on forever. And how he makes a way as priest for us to come to God, but not only to come to God, but to intercede for us. And as Dan was praying, he just, this, just this expression of, wonder and gratitude of this realization that through the last two years of the pandemic Jesus has been praying for his people and sustaining his people and he was just thinking where would we have been without Jesus doing that on our behalf and the weight of that just in a sometimes things are weighty in a good way and this just oh it just landed with me just this sense that through everything that, that we've gone through, Jesus has been praying to the Father on our behalf. And it's, I've carried it with me ever since. And I've been thinking, actually, we need to spend some time thinking about the ascension and what that actually means. Because sometimes, and rightly, we focus, and at times, 
The church has been focused on what Jesus has done when we talk about Jesus' life, death and resurrection and absolutely right that we do that. So we can focus on what Jesus has done and on what he will do in terms of his rule and his reign when he comes back for his bride. And actually it's right that we do that too. In 1 Thessalonians 4 it speaks of what will happen when Jesus returns, how we will meet him and be like him and we'll be with him forever. And it says that we're to encourage one another with these words. We need to know what's going to happen because it helps us to continue on and to press on. There's hope and there's security there and we're to encourage one another with those words. So we can focus on what Jesus has done. We can focus on what he will do. But oftentimes we don't really or we rarely focus on what happened to him after the resurrection or put it this way, what is Jesus doing now? Have you ever considered what is Jesus doing now? Not only that, another important question that comes with that is, why does it matter to us what Jesus is doing now? Why does it matter to us that Jesus is no longer on earth, but is with the Father in heaven? And so, that's, we, we are going to spend some time over the next four weeks, including today, focusing on the ascension. What is Jesus doing now, and why does it matter for us And hopefully what we will see is that the ascension is absolutely central to the story of the gospel. It's not an add-on. It's not something, well, it's mildly interesting, but it, it doesn't really have much bearing on anything. Actually, it is absolutely central to the story of the gospel. We only see in the Bible, there's only two accounts of the the events of the ascension, both of them in Luke, both of them we've looked at over the last two weeks. There's not much more that's, there isn't anything else that's said about the actual event of the ascension. But the New Testament is just, throughout the whole of the New Testament, is is through through Acts, sorry, and through the, the letters, the continuing reign and life of the enthroned Christ is a theme that comes up time and time and time again. What you'll find as you read through Acts and you read through, uh, read through the, the letters in the, in the New Testament, now they talk about Jesus as Lord. You see that? He's Lord. He's Lord. Because of, they recognise the, the absolute centrality of the truth that Jesus is now ruling and reigning in heaven. Not only that, if you look at the creeds throughout church, church history, many of the major creeds, so the statements of faith, declarations about what Christians have believed over the centuries, many, many of the main creeds contain a statement about the resurrected and risen and ascended Christ. It's not some little additional thing that we can tag on. It's absolutely central to the story of the gospel. And it's not just in terms of understanding something that happened in history, but it's crucial for understanding our own lives in the present. And this is something that's really struck me as as I've been preparing for this series. Now, what I've got in touch with Dan Hater about just if he could give a bit of advice, a bit of guidance in terms of resources and stuff. He recommended this book. It's called The Ascension of Christ by Patrick Schreiner. If anyone is more interested, we, we're going to explore this together, but there's always more that we can uh, learn and discover. I highly, highly recommend this book. It's not a particularly big book. It's very easy to read. The Ascension of Christ by Patrick Schreiner. Okay? And in this book, we're going to borrow Patrick Schreiner's um, structure, if you like, Because he focuses on three roles of Jesus. Three roles that Jesus had uh, on earth as prophet, priest, and king. Uh, But we're going to, and so we're going to kind of um, 
focus, sorry, we're going to focus on those three roles, but in terms of actually what does it mean for Jesus to be the ascended prophet, the ascended priest, and the ascended king, now that he's no longer dwelling on earth. And then we're also going to look ahead to Jesus' return as well, okay? So I think that's you, Pete, that's going to be speaking on that. So really, the two questions that we're going to be asking over these few weeks, what is Jesus doing now? Why does it matter for us? So we're going to start this morning by thinking about Jesus as the ascended prophet. And what I hope we will discover together through this morning is that Jesus as the ascended prophet is building the church and its witness. Okay, so that's kind of where we're aiming to get to today. So what does a prophet do? What does a prophet do? 2 Peter 1 21 tells us what a prophet does. It says this, it says that for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that's a great definition for us in terms of what prophets do. They were people who were empowered by God's Spirit to proclaim the Word of God. Often what we also see is that signs and wonders accompany it. So there's a proclamation of the Word of God, but then signs and wonders uh, along Cited. And we see, actually, Jesus fulfilled the role of prophet in his life on earth. Empowered by the Spirit, proclaiming the word of God, accompanied by signs and wonders. Not many people recognised Jesus as a saviour. Not many people recognised him as the Messiah, the promised one, who is going to come and save, uh, save God's people but many people did recognise Jesus as a prophet. If you were with us a few weeks ago, when we were going through the, the, um, the story of the, the road to Emmaus, the journey to the road to Emmaus, the way they described Jesus to Jesus, although they didn't realise it at the time, the first thing they said was that he was a prophet. They recognised the role that Jesus played in proclaiming the word of God, even if they didn't recognise him as the son of God. So Jesus was... If you like, he fulfilled that role of prophet. And as we were journeying through Mark's gospel, we would have seen that. Because what did we see? We see Jesus empowered by the Spirit. That's where we started. Proclaiming that the kingdom was coming. Preaching repentance and the forgiveness of sins. We also saw him through encounters with people. How he would bring revelation. He would speak truth into their lives. We would also see signs and wonders, miracles that he would do. So can we see how Jesus is fulfilling that role of prophet through what he did? But he was not the first prophet because many prophets had come before him. Particularly if we see through the Old Testament, so that period of history from creation through to Jesus' uh, arrival, the Old Testament, we see prophets raised up for various times then. Again, empowered by the Spirit, Claiming the word of God, signs and wonders. And even through the last series that we were doing, we would have seen that while Jesus was on earth, he did fulfill that role of the Old Testament prophets, which is why so many people recognised him uh, and acknowledged him as a prophet. And here's the thing, when we think about the ascension, the fact that Jesus is no longer dwelling here on the earth, but is now seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven, we can understand the ascension to be the end of Jesus' prophetic work. Jesus came to, came to, to proclaim freedom to the captives. Jesus came uh, to perform signs and wonders. And we can think, now that he's no longer here, then that's done. He's finished that. But actually, rather than ceasing, the ascension increases and actually multiplies his prophetic work. 
It takes what Jesus did, but takes it to a whole other a whole other degree, if I, can, if I can put it that way. So rather than Jesus' prophetic work ceasing at the ascension, actually it's increased and multiplied his prophetic work, or we can put it this way, his role of prophet, rather than becoming smaller, has become even bigger. And that's only possible because Jesus returned to the Father. doesn't seem to, when we think about it, well, how does that work? How can that be? In the Old Testament, we see that God's prophetic work was always meant to include people, inasmuch as God raised people up at a certain time to speak to not just to God's people, but to the nations around as well. So it's always been God's heart that his prophetic work would include people. He's always included uh, people to be a part of that. But it's also what we see in what we read in Acts, verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11. In verse 8, Jesus says this, You will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, empowered by the Spirit. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So actually, Jesus, Jesus is saying, I'm going to send my Spirit and he's going to empower you to do what I have been doing here. To make me known... Not just in Jerusalem, but in ever-increasing circles. Until when? Until the whole earth is filled. Until the whole earth has been reached. So can we see, when I'm saying that Jesus' prophetic work has not, has not finished, it's got bigger. Because now through the Spirit, he has called us as his followers to be the prophetic voice to the church and to the nations. Through the empowering of the Spirit. The ascension was the time for God's people to be filled up with the Spirit and sent out to the nations. And with the ascension, the ascension is kind of putting a stake in the ground and saying that time has now arrived for God's people to be released in a way that they haven't been before. For God's people to be empowered, not just as ones and twos, but all of God's people empowered, filled with the Spirit, in order to be His witnesses throughout the whole earth. When Jesus, when Jesus ascended and returned to the Father, the, the role of you like for his followers is not just to wait for him to come back. How do we know this? Because um, the, 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 the two men that were stood after Jesus had ascended said, why are you staring up into heaven? Stop looking into heaven. He's going to come back. He'll come back the way he came. But you're not just to stand there looking and waiting for him. Another way of saying it is, take your, if, stop looking to heaven at this moment, but look at what he has called you to do in the, the towns and the cities and villages and nations around you. We're not just to wait for him to come back. There is something, a task, not just a task, but a, a partnership, really, that he has called us into to be a part of in making him known. I was reminded of God's promise to Abraham. God's promise to Abraham is this, that through your descendants, all of the nations will be blessed. That's God's heart has always been that his people specifically would be a blessing to the nations. That the nations would be better off because God's people existed, if you like. To mediate, to take God's blessing 
wherever we go, to the very ends of the earth. That was God's promise to Abraham right at the very beginning. And through the ascension and through the promise of the Holy Spirit coming and filling and empowering God's people to be his witnesses, his promise continues, but in a, to a degree that had not been possible before because the Spirit had not yet been poured out. And the Spirit could not yet be poured out in that way while Jesus was here on the earth. He had to go in order that the Spirit would come. I've heard some stories of folk who have lost loved ones and have come across maybe a voicemail on their phone and just how absolutely precious that is for people to be able to hear that voice again or that message again to the extent that I've, I've heard of folk who have um, put them in, taken that recording and like put it in a teddy or something so that you can just push a button and you can hear that voice. And actually the comfort that that brings to someone who has, who has lost someone very close to them. To hear that voice, to be comforted, to be reminded of the memories that that would evoke, of the, the peace that that might be able to bring them, of the hope that it might be able to bring, of just being able to think about, uh, about those that they loved. And the thing is that, that there can be a sense of, even that with, with Jesus having gone, still gone to heaven, sorry, still desiring Jesus' physical voice. That would have been true then for his followers. Jesus has gone. How much would they have longed to be able to hear his voice once more as he spent time with them and spoke to them? But it's true now as well. That there can be this longing of, oh, if only Jesus was here and we could hear him speaking to us to have a conversation with him. And I don't think that that's, necess- that's not a bad longing to have because we long to be with Jesus, don't we? We long to spend time with him and we look forward, look ahead to that time when we will be able to. But in John 16, Jesus says this. Is it up on the screen? I'm going to read it from there because I can't find it in my Bible. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, but I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is Jesus with his friends, with his followers, saying, actually, as much as you would want me to be here with you, as much as you would still want to hear my physical voice, it's to your advantage. It is better for you that I go. It's better for you that I return to the Father. Why? Because then the Holy Spirit can come. And the Holy Spirit has to come. Because what, that, because what the Holy Spirit does, that Jesus now in heaven, he speaks through the Holy Spirit to the church. 
So he speaks in a different way. But he now speaks through the Spirit to the church. Globally. Universally. Not just having a, a, don't, not having a conversation with his friends on, on, a, on, a, on a walk or in a, in a room enjoying a meal. Uh, all these beautiful um, occasions we see throughout Scripture. But now he speaks to the church through the Holy Spirit. And it is the Spirit who leads and guides the church into truth. Taking what is from Jesus and making it known to us. And as Jesus reveals himself to us, he builds and strengthens the church through his word. He had to go in order that the Spirit could come. In order that Jesus could speak to the church and lead the church universal into all truth. On my way in this morning, I was reminded of the scripture that says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I felt actually that that was kind of going to be a bit of a theme for this morning for us, if you like. Something that God was wanting to do. And I feel that that is what has been happening. That as we, the gathered people of God, who have the very Spirit of God living within us, as we gather together and the Spirit of God is here, that actually there is freedom here. There is freedom that God wants to lead people into. There is freedom from sickness. We were praying for that. that God, would you bring freedom from sickness? But freedom from, uh, freedom from pain, freedom from sorrow, freedom from grief, freedom from guilt, freedom from sin, freedom from shame, freedom from things that we have done, freedom from things that have been done to us. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we've just read that one of the things that the Spirit does is He leads us into all truth. And I think one of the ways that freedom comes is by leading us into what is true and away from what is false. Taking us away from the lies and actually pointing us to what is true and what will last. And there is freedom to be found in truth. The world will tell us what success looks like, what power looks like, uh, the, the importance of money, how we're to be with one another. The world has an opinion on sex and relationships, and we're constantly bombarded by different opinions and thoughts, but it is the Spirit who leads us into all truth on all of those things. And so actually, we need to take hold of the truth, and we need to settle it in our hearts and in our minds. The truth of God revealed to us through the Spirit. That's why when we come to read the Scriptures, it's not just a, it's not an academic exercise. It's, we need the Spirit of God to help us as we read the Word of God, that it would take root in our hearts and in our minds as, the, as He reveals the truth to us. The truth of the good news that is contained in its pages. So Jesus in heaven speaks through the Holy Spirit to the church. He had to go in order for that to happen. But also through the ascension, we can think of Jesus as being less present, can't we? Makes sense. Jesus isn't here on earth. Surely he's less present than he was. But actually, Jesus reassures his followers that by his going away and the Holy Spirit coming, he's actually more present than he ever has been. Because the Spirit of God now lives in us. As the church gathers together, the Spirit of God is there. The presence of God is there in a way that Jesus couldn't be present when, if you like, he was bound by a physical body like we have. Who's ever said this? I can't be in two places at once. 
Well, who's ever thought that? I'm sure it's something that we've all thought. I can't be in two places at once. There's only so many things that I can do. Only so many places that I can be. I'm limited in so many ways. And actually, there would have been a point where Jesus, when he was on earth, could only be in one place at one time. But now, with Jesus returning to the Father and the Spirit coming, Jesus is present in a way that he wasn't able to be before. It means that when I'm in my room on my own, Jesus is there with me by his Spirit. When I'm celebrating something, Jesus is there with me by his Spirit. When I'm grieving something, Jesus is there with me by his Spirit. But he had to go in order for that to be true. Through the sending of the Spirit, Jesus' presence and words could fill the earth in a more expansive way. Because as he equips the church and empowers the church, the witness can spread in a way that it couldn't before. John 16, verse 8, that we just read. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. When the Holy Spirit comes, the world is going to be reached. Can we see that increase and multiplication that comes with the sending of the Spirit? Not only that, in Acts verse 1, uh, verse 8, when you receive power, the Holy Spirit will come on you. You'll be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. Jesus' words are going to go where they hadn't been able to go to before because the Spirit has come upon his people. John 14, 12. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also be able to do, will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Greater works. How do we think about greater works? One sense that we can think about what it means to do greater works is an increase in the number, a multiplication of the number of God's works. Be in his hands and feet as Jesus, the ascended prophet, builds the church and his witness. Have you ever thought about yourself as that? Be in the hands hands and feet of Jesus, being a blessing to the world. Doing the works that Jesus did, full of the Spirit, proclaiming the word, signs and wonders, acts of mercy, compassion and justice for the good of God's people and for the world. It's not just what God has called us to, it's what God has equipped us to do and empowered us to do through the sending of the Spirit. Jesus says you'll be able to do these things, why or how? Because I am going to the Father. I have to go in order that you would be able to do the very things that I've been doing. Not only that, but even greater things you will do. Jesus had to go. I just want to finish with this, and I'll, I'll, I'll pray for us. I'm very aware of our time now. Matthew 6, verses 8 to 10, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, taught them to pray this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. See, Paul describes the church as being a body with Christ as the head. Sometimes we can think of the church as a body on earth that is reaching upward, that is reaching heavenward. But actually, Christ, the head of the church, is seated in heaven. And so actually, kingdom coming is is heaven to earthward. Because Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, because Jesus is now in heaven, the church, the body, 
takes hold of that call, partnering with God, crying out to God for his kingdom to come. How do we see God's kingdom come? We see it through God working through his spirit, but also through God's people, the church, doing the very thing that God has called his people to do. Living as kingdom people. Going about uh, proclaiming the word, signs and wonders, acts of mercy, compassion and justice, seeking the good of God's people and the world. But we need to recognise that the body, that the head of the body is, is in heaven, establishing his kingdom from the throne. May I pray for us? I'm very grateful that we've had a time to pray for each other. Um, just, I think it's been great that actually we've been able to do that side, if you like, of response and ministry already. But I'd just love to pray for us as we come to a close. Lord, I want to thank you that your ways are not our ways. Lord, I want to thank you that you don't think the way that I think. Lord, I want to thank you that you have always had a plan to redeem your creation, to restore what was broken. Lord, to us, doesn't necessarily make sense as to why Jesus had to go but Lord as we search the scriptures and as we ask Holy Spirit to come and help us we see actually it really is better that you return to the Father in order that the Spirit would come so that your work as prophet would be increased and multiplied and extend to the very ends of the earth Lord I want to thank you for the time that we've had today already seeking you and asking for more of your spirit. We take hold that call of scripture of those who go on being filled by the spirit. We say, God, would you come and fill us afresh? Would you come and fill us again in order that we could be your hands and feet to our neighbours, to our communities, and yes, to the very ends of the earth. We thank you, Jesus, that you speak to your church through the Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you take what is, the, what is of Jesus and you reveal him to us. And we pray that daily would you ever increase our journey into truth. Would you lead us into truth day by day by day. That we would be able to recognize what is false and what is counterfeit and what is true. And that as we do so, that we would find freedom in ever increasing measure. But Lord, I pray that you would be with each one of us as we look to the week ahead, as we look to the places where you've called us to go, to the places where you've called us to be, among the people that you've called us to be amongst. We say, Lord, would you help us in our witness? Lord, we pray for the Holy Spirit's empowering, yes, but also for the Holy Spirit's leading, for Holy Spirit wisdom and guidance, that we would make you known, not just through our words, but through our acts, through the way that we love and through the way that we serve. And Lord, we want to do this for the good of the world, but we want to do this for your glory. We want to do this for your glory, that the world would see you as you truly are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.